0: Is the Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Chris, and my name is Jason, and this is the Talking Dead number one hundred and thirty-five for Monday, November the eighteenth, twenty thirteen. This may be a slightly abbreviated version of the podcast, Jason. Okay, yeah, we're we're done then. Yeah, we're done. I'll see you. Thanks for yeah, listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks
1: for uh, thanks for coming out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Good times. <laughs> no, it's because it's it's a little bit weird this week. Uh, you are back home at your house. I am in vagina. I mean Regina. It's your turn to travel. It's my turn to travel. So I'm I'm in the middle of Saskatchewan. Well, not really the middle, mostly the southern bit because Regina's pretty far south. And uh I don't know how this is gonna go. We'll see. It's it's a completely different setup than we're used to, and I don't know what's gonna happen. It's ass backwards. It's totally ass backwards. Now, <laughs> um something that's not ass backwards though is that today is push button phone day. Push button phone day. That's true. On this I don't day, even have
1: a push button push button phone anymore.
0: No, I think it's been years. Uh, since I've had a push-button phone. But on this day in 1963, the push-button phone came to be av- uh, available commercially. And
1: the design is credited to Henry Dreyfus, an industrial designer working for Bell Telephone. So, and that's what—that's the old annoying push-button one. It's not even a tone telephone. It's like you push the button, it goes tick, 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 as if you were dialing it. Oh, I guess remember, so, yeah. You remember well, those? No, I don't even know if I'm old enough to remember those. Yeah, you push the buttons and all it did was tick the same the same way a dial did. Really? Yeah, it was uh, it was excruciating to use those phones. <laughs> it wasn't even you, touch tone. Did you have one in your house? Oh yeah.
0: Well, that's uh, that's amazing.
1: No, we I had a rotary did. phone in uh, my parents had a rotary phone in the house until nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight. Ooh, that's pretty long, man. Up, upstairs, one of the yeah, the, uh, Bell Canada I believe still has to support uh, rotary telephones because there's some people that just uh, still have a rotary phone that just won't give up, eh? We yeah. I had one in an apartment I lived
0: in in the late 90s. Uh or no, early early 2000s because we found it in the garbage because someone had thrown it out and brought it back and uh it worked and it was just fine, so we used that for a while, but nice. it's long gone now. It's too bad. Yeah. It was it was fun. Anyways, like this item Yeah, exactly. So it's push-button phone day, so that's not even rotary phone or not even, like, touch-tone. It's push-button. That's that's even older. So if you have one of those, you are a real
1: special individual. I barely even dial phone numbers anymore. <laughs> you just talk to your phone? Well, you just select the contact and then pick which which number, mobile or home or work or office or what have you. Yeah. Who dials a phone number? God. Uh, I don't know.
0: Use your fingers like a chump. Yeah. Okay, well, let's uh, move right along here before everything goes crazy and explodes on us. So uh, we're here today to recap Live Bait. This is Season 4, Episode 5?
1: Uh, 6? We <laughs> should know this,
0: right? Yeah, we should probably know this. <laughs> I um, think it's 6. No, it's 5. S- no, it's 6 because they think there's two more until the break. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, well. Next time, I'll uh, I'll pay more attention to what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to start this recap. Six. Uh, it's number six? Yep. Okay, so two more till the break. Yep. I want to start this recap with uh, kind of a spoiler warning. And this entire podcast is a bit of a spoiler warning for the first Walking Dead novel called Rise of the Governor. Because this episode, a big portion of it was lifted r- pretty much right out of that book, um, at, at least in general terms, and even in a lot of specifics, uh, right out of the book. So if you haven't read that book, but you've now seen this, this TV show, you've kind of seen a good chunk, not a good chunk of the book, but at least a good portion that takes place in the middle.
1: There's a lot of similarities, yeah. Are we going to talk about that right now, or do you want to wait till the end after the recap?
0: No, let's let's talk about it a little bit later. I just want to okay. warn people that you know, as the podcast goes on, we're going to be talking about stuff that basically is pulled right out of the book. So um, the whole thing is kind of a spoiler for the book. But uh, let's not worry about that. And now that we've warned everyone, why don't we get started? Cool. So we open with basically right. After the point that the governor uh, slaughtered his own people in Season 3, just Mm -hmm. as they're driving away, we open with a shot of Alan lying dead on the ground. And you know what I thought when I saw that shot? Poor Alan? He's got a hole in his head? I did think that, but I also wondered if they called him back to shoot that scene or if it was shot back in Season 3 and they were just able to reuse it.
1: I think they're probably just able to reuse it it seems like a, uh, a such a little thing to have to you know call an actor back and do all the makeup and set up the cameras and all that kind of stuff just for that one shot so it's, it's probably something that didn't make it into the original television show
0: well you know though they're they're setting up the cameras and doing all that stuff anyways he just would have to come and lie there with a bullet hole in his head but you're probably right it was probably shot last season and they reused the footage or they used it was you know a cut uh in the in season three and they use it now right um anyways the governor drives away martinez and schubert are with him we cut over to them camping the governor is sitting alone by a fire and a female walker approaches and falls right into the fire basically yeah which doesn't seem to phase the walker at all
1: no because it's just
0: a it's just a little fire they can be on fire and really we all fallen notice.
1: in fires it's not that big a deal
0: no, who, who hasn't fallen into their campfire now and then, right? <laughs> I puked in
1: a fire, for crying out loud.
0: Oh, my God, that's nasty. <laughs> it did the was fu- really nasty. Did the fire go out, or did it get stronger?
1: No, no it was a big fire. <laughs> oh, my
0: God. That's
1: it's fine. It's
0: one of the grossest things I can imagine. <laughs> that and puking in the shower.
1: I was in grade 8. What are you going to do?
0: Yeah, what are you going to do? So the walker falls into the fire, but continues crawling towards him, and the governor just sits there staring at It doesn't move a muscle.
1: He's done. Like at that point, is he mentally? He's just ready. He doesn't care whether he lives or dies.
0: I I almost would hazard to say that he doesn't even realize the walker's there. Like he's almost just looking through it into the distance and is like, whatever this thing. I don't even see this thing. Or if if he does, he's like, it's just gonna get me, and that'll be that.
1: I I, I thought the uh, the look in his eyes was that he saw the walker. He just didn't care.
0: Yeah, he just, as you said, he was just
1: finished with life. Yeah.
0: But Martinez comes out, shoots it in the head, and uh, then he kind of shakes his head like he can't believe how far this man has fallen. Disgusting. He was, It was disgust on his face. It was. It was. So we go to the next morning. The governor comes out of his tent, and we have uh, a contemporary song playing. Mm-hmm. The camera pulls out, and we see a large truck sitting there. However, Martinez and Schumpert are gone. They're all gone. He has been abandoned by his last two compatriots. Yeah. At least they left him him a truck. (laughs) That's right. They left him something.
1: Yeah, that way he can go all Road Warrior, just like I said.
0: (laughs) You know, (laughs) I did think of that. You've been talking Road Warrior for a while now, and this episode definitely had some of that in it. Yeah. Um, Especially the next scene, because the governor takes that truck, he drives it full speed, blasts through the Woodbury gates, and then he stands on the main street while the town burns down. Very Nero. Very Nero.
1: Nero. Uh, he was an emperor of uh, of Rome, and he, he just was supposed to have played the fiddle while Rome burned.
0: Right. Well, this is what the, wa- uh, the governor did. He just lit the whole place on fire and uh, just stood there. Now, you know what was weird for me in this scene? What was that? We were just in Senoy, Georgia, a couple of weeks ago. We sure were. And I was like,
1: oh, it's burning down. We were just there. <laughs> I, That's what I... Yeah, I was watching it with my wife, and I said, uh, yeah, we were there. It wasn't burning at the time, but it wasn't, we were there. It was definitely
0: not on fire, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I felt kind of bad seeing it burn like that, because it was such a nice little town, Jason.
1: Yeah, it's it's too bad that the uh, the production crew had to burn it to the ground.
0: It's really unfortunate. Katie Lou's Cafe, boy, did we ever have a nice lunch there.
1: We did. And I I'd don't like think that to... was on fire, though. We were, it wasn't that far up the street.
0: Oh, good! So we can go back there someday. Yeah, that's right. All right, I'm excited about that. Um, and then we a voiceover starts, and the uh, governor is talking to some women, some female voices, and he's saying things like, "We've been on the or you know, he's been on the road for a couple of months," and uh, they ask him, you know, where he came from, and he says that there was a town, but the man in charge lost it, and he barely yeah. got out alive. So he's making up a story. That's, that's, I mean, it's kind of the story of what happened. It's just he's not saying it was me.
1: <laughs> it's just referring to yourself in the third person to, uh, to basically form a lie that isn't technically lying. Distance himself from what actually happened a little bit. Yeah. And uh, as he's, you walking, know, what, it that's it's my my personal philosophy of lying is that it's not a lie if you tell of en- enough of the truth to imply the lie. But don't go far enough to actually say a uh, unfactual thing.
0: Don't say anything untrue. Yeah. Just don't tell enough of the information, maybe.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. All like right. the you know the guy in charge lost it. You know that's you know completely factual. It's, it's true. Just, just there's a there's a a huge assumption that's missing.
0: Yeah, that I was the guy in charge. Yeah. Um. So as as we hear this voice over he's just walking along and he's as a walker's coming up to him and at this point he's got a huge beard his hair is all long he looks like he's in really raggedy rough
1: shape mhm uh a little snake Plissken-y, actually a little snake pliskin i didn't pick up on that but that's uh that's very true you know a, a little anyways um so now I want to go back and watch that. I haven't seen Escape from New York in such a long time.
0: Oh, I know. And I uh, I caught part of it on TV not too long ago, but... Um, Does it hold up? Well, the bit that I saw seemed okay, yeah. Okay, I don't good. remember where I was, because that wouldn't have been at home. Anyways... I'm gonna track
1: that down. I want to watch that.
0: Doesn't matter. Good idea. Um. Anyways, he barely sidesteps a walker, who just... He just sort of falls out of the way, and he just collapses onto the ground, but he sees a girl in a window... And he gets back up, she's like a she's like a beacon of hope from that window yep. for him. I think
1: he was talking about his daughter at the time, right? like the voiceover was talking about his daughter, oh was he? yeah, I think so
0: i don't know, I don't know because later on in the episode he kind of talks about her anyways he uh he sees he sees the girl in the window, he gets back up and he sort of stumbles stumbles towards the building, and we cut to inside the building and he's approaching an apartment door. The door opens, and there are two women, and a girl, and an old man in the apartment. Yeah. She points a gun at him, and That's the governor true. drops his weapons, and we go to the opening credits. Yeah. So, fair bit of information here in the cold open.
1: Yeah, and as soon as uh, as soon as that door opened, I uh, explained to my mo- wife that I was pretty sure I knew what was going to happen because mm-hmm. uh, this all happened in the novel. It did
0: all happen in the novel. So these three characters are Lily, her daughter Megan, another Lily, by the way. We've had a few Lilies in The Walking Dead. So it's Lily. Lily. Yeah, and your cat. That's right. Lily, her daughter Megan, Lily's sister Tara, and their father. And all these characters, if I'm not mistaken, as you said, are right out of the book. Now, was the kid in the book? That's the one thing I don't remember.
1: I don't think so. I don't think there was a little girl. Okay. But I we not, need the little girl. I am not 100% Well, there was a little girl in the, in the book, but because it it happened before they got to Woodbury and uh what's her name? Penny. Penny was was there, right?
0: Yes, that is correct. Penny So was... there was a
1: little girl, it just wasn't related to the group the family that was in the in the uh uh in in the apartment. Right, that's
0: right. So I think you're correct about that. There was no additional little girl in the book. But we need the we need the little girl for the story. So she was there. Yeah. And so now Tara and Megan start talking to him, and they say they've been holed up there since the shit hit the fan. Right. And the governor's pretty non-responsive, but he says he's going to stay in the building for the night. And Tara explains that she was an Atlanti- Atlanta City police officer. And she, of course, threatens that if he messes
1: with them, she will kill him because... She said she had en- has enough ammo to kill him every day for 10 years. Yeah, that, uh, that can't be true. Well, I you know I quickly estimated three thousand six hundred and fifty rounds because I figure one bullet per day, mm-hmm. you know, because that's enough to kill somebody. So I figured three thousand six hundred and fifty rounds. Well, that's not completely unreasonable. No, that sounds like a lot, though. Although it, if she, it is a lot, but if she came yeah.
0: from a police station, then in theory there there could be that much ammo there. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, that's a fair bit. Um, in any case, she's like, "Don't mess with us." <laughs> yeah. Now they keep his gun and uh she
1: wants she wants to fist bump him
0: in agreement yeah <laughs> which i thought was sort of funny and he kind of he kind of agree he kind of does it after a she bit of she picked up
1: his hand and did it for him
0: okay so he barely moved he was totally non-responsive in this scene they ask what his name is and he says it's Brian Harriet right so he's chosen the name Brian instead of Philip right and you know what else i thought was interesting about this scene is you know they say the girls say we're going to keep your gun because you know we don't trust you and i thought that was an interesting or at least a fun parallel to exactly what he did with andrea and michonne when they showed up at woodbury right you know he was like we don't know you so you're welcome to stay you're welcome to leave whenever you want but we're just going to hang on to your weapons until we get to know you a little bit and it's exactly what's happening to him right now i thought that was cool
1: that it, yeah, that's very very cool. Do you have uh, do you have a fake name ready to go in case someone asks you what your name is and you don't want to give it to them? Art
0: Vandalay. No, that's that's George <laughs> Costanza's name.
1: No, you can't use that.
0: Um, I'm gonna have
1: to go with Scott Summerside. Yeah, I I usually either go with uh, Chim Richilds.
0: <laughs> that is isn't, isn't that from Anchorman?
1: <laughs> it's from Anchorman, right? But it's the best name in Anchorman. That's yeah, true. Or uh, or I go with Army Hammer.
0: Also a real guy. <laughs>
1: A real, yeah, it's a real name. You can't, uh, can't fault me on that one. But no.
0: uh, <laughs> um, I've been mistaken for some reason for Scott's all throughout my life. So I get Steve's. You get Steve? I get Steve. Oh, that's weird. I get Scott. So Scott
1: Summerside, that's me. Uh, there you go. Hi, my name is Scott. My, my favorite is uh, Karen from uh, Will and Grace. Anastasia Beaverhausen. <laughs> oh, yeah, Beaverhausen. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's got my favorite
0: fake name. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, so let's get back to it here. He's, the governor's now in his own apartment across the hall. He's eating something from a can, sort of tuna. some, was it tuna?
1: Sardi- well, yeah, or, or salmon. Sardines, maybe? It wasn't cat, fi- cat food. It could have been cat food. Who knows? It, no, it was chunky. I saw the, when he was pulling it out, it looked like it was, uh, <laughs> it was
0: tuna. Okay. Well, he's, he's eating something anyways. Lily brings him some food, and I thought it looked like Cheerios. SpaghettiOs. But it was SpaghettiOs, I've yes. since been informed. And he takes it and he thanks her, but then he dumps it out the window and
1: goes back to eating his uh, tuna food. Yeah. What a weirdo. It's a little strange, but uh, I I, I don't think he wants any help from anybody. Or he doesn't trust them and thinks they're going to poison him with rat poison. Okay, that
0: could be it. That didn't occur to me. He just doesn't trust them yet, just like they don't trust him. But I don't know. When it comes down to it, sometimes you just got to take a chance and eat the SpaghettiOs, I think
1: well yeah and then you know what if they gave him kool-aid what is he going to do just drink the kool-aid
0: yes he would just drink the kool-aid well yeah um so we go over to megan she's playing backgammon with her grandfather megan's the little girl of course tara and lily are doing dishes and they hear the governor bringing the plate back and Mm -hmm. so they open the door he brings it in and uh, they talk for a bit but the grandfather starts coughing and we see that he's wearing a breathing tube right so he's sick and he asks the governor for a cigarette which doesn't make a lot of sense for him, but I guess if he was a smoker, it, it does. Smokers uh, always want a cigarette. Yeah, no matter what it's going to do th- to them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, li- but Lily, of course, is worried about the place blowing up because there are oxygen tanks there.
1: Yeah, but they've got candles everywhere. That doesn't seem to phase them at all. No, I guess they open don't... flame like everywhere. A cigarette's not going to do much more.
0: I, I don't know. I guess the, the, the candles aren't, like, right beside him, maybe. I don't know. Seems a little bit crazy. Uh, and they explain, then, that the food truck outside has provided a lot of food, and her dad used to drive the truck, and he happened to have it full of stuff when, you know, the zombie outbreak happened, so they're doing lucky. well. Pardon me? Very lucky. Yeah. Very lucky. Lucky. Um, uh, we also find out that Lily is a nurse, and uh, that's important information. Mm-hmm. And then their father needs to go to bed, and Tara asks the governor to help, and instead of coming over and sort of helping, he just picks the old man up and walks him into the bedroom.
1: Which uh, strikes me as odd, because I think uh, we, we assume that a couple, a few months has gone by, a couple few months has gone by since uh, uh, since the governor killed his entire posse. Um, so he's been wandering around, just kind of wandering the streets and he looked pretty, uh, disheveled and such. Do you think he's been eating well and exercising and has the, the strength and willpower to pick up a man and carry him to the bedroom?
0: I think, um, I think he has probably not been eating well, but he has been walking a lot. So he's probably been getting a lot of exercise. Now I think that's a bad combination no matter what, lack of food and physical activity, so yeah i don't know that he would really have the strength to do that but if he was in especially good shape before maybe he still has that kind of muscle ability i don't know
1: yeah i call bullshit on that but yeah i've i have people are soft and light in this world so maybe he only weighed like 35 pounds
0: maybe i mean i have been in a situation where i have had to lift a human being that is you know probably you know 160 170 pounds um, and not just, you know, sort of around the waist or something, but actually lift them and carry them. It was damn near impossible. And now I have small little girly arms, but, yeah. you know, even if the governor was a little stronger than me, that's a lot of weight to just pick up and carry.
1: When I was 19 and probably in the uh, the best shape of my life, I had just come off of uh, basic training in the military or in the reserves and had been exercising for a number of weeks. Uh, I remember it was uh, probably a few months later, when uh I was walking with this girl and it was there was a bunch of snow on the ground, so I picked her up and tried to carry her across this snowfield. But I don't know. She was just a little thing. She was only like five foot four or something. Uh but she must have weighed like three hundred and eighty pounds because I couldn't <laughs> carry her across that snowfield. Uh it was terribly, terribly difficult. I don't know. This this chick was dense. Like just <laughs> physically dense. I don't know how or why that happened. Very dense, uh, well, but I couldn't. I couldn't carry her, and I was in. I was nineteen, and you know, had been working out like every day for weeks.
0: You can do anything when you're nineteen.
1: Yeah, so uh, I, I dropped her in the snow. Yeah, but I made I made a joke out of it. It was like I didn't draw. like I can't carry you. I'm gonna have to put you down, kind of thing. It's just like ah, fuck it. And I just threw her in the snow. Oh, she giggled. She, I laughed. She laughed. It
0: was all good. You fell down on top of her, made snow angels together, and then made out for a while.
1: No, that would have been a good idea actually. <laughs>
0: Well, if you could only go back in time.
1: No, I wouldn't. She was creepy. Oh, of course. I hope she doesn't, not listening, because she knows, if she's listening to the podcast, she knows who, that I'm talking about her, and sorry to call you creepy.
0: Hi, snow girl. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so uh, what happens? In the bedroom, he, the uh, old man, Tara and um, Lily's father, asks the governor if he has kids and talks about how his children made him stronger when he was, you know, a healthy man. But he never counted on this, referring to the zombie outbreak.
1: So I want to talk about something in the, uh, when he, the governor carried him into the bedroom. Sure. So when everybody was in the living room, everybody was just kind of happy-go-lucky, doing whatever, hanging out. And then all of a sudden, the guy said, I need to take a break. So uh then then the two daughters got up to you know help him into the bedroom and the governor governor picked him up and carried him in the bedroom. So at that point there was no plan to carry this guy into the bedroom at all. It was like a spur of the moment I need to rest, I need to go into the bedroom. Right. When they walked into the bedroom there was like six candles going in that bedroom. Well, so th- You're not going to light the whole place all the time in the off chance that you may need light in one room. You're going to burn out all your candles like super fast doing that. Not to mention the fact that it's a fire hazard. Yes. So anyway, I call bullshit on that too.
0: (laughs) Okay. So um, too many candles is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah, the candles me... shouldn't have been lit. You go into a room, then you light the candles.
0: I mean, I, I, there's no electricity, so maybe they're just getting lazy and they're leaving candles lit so they can don't have to do that every time.
1: It's been, what, a year and a half uh, since the beginning of the zombie outbreak that they've been living in this apartment building? How many friggin' candles do you think they have?
0: They'd be out of candles.
1: They'd be out of candles.
0: Unless the father was also a candle truck driver and there's another truck outside full of candles.
1: Or maybe, you know, the build, next building over, there's the, uh, the the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker, and they're all hanging out in the bathtub. Well, we get to that. But... Uh, <laughs> That'd be a very different show. A, they just have a... There's a candle factory next door for some reason. Well, let's go with that.
0: Okay, let's go with that. Very good. <laughs> um, yeah, so he says that... Uh, the, the old man says that Tara has shot the walkers upstairs a lot, but they keep getting back up. So these idiots don't know... That you got to shoot them in the head or destroy the brain. No, they don't. They've been, they've been holed up here for a year and a half. They don't know nothing. They've really just been hiding away. They might not have even had that many encounters with, with zombies.
1: No. Well, that there's the people upstairs that they keep shooting. <laughs> and they just keep getting back up. What are we <laughs> going to do? <laughs> yeah. So they just shut the door and it's like, okay, well. Yeah. They'll just. Can't s- kill them anymore.
0: Stay there. Um so the so he asks him he asks the governor to go upstairs and get a new backgammon set and he says he wants to play more with Megan so he can make her talk again. Right. So Megan is traumatized clearly and she's not speaking very much or at all. Now we go upstairs and the governor goes into the apartment. Should I continue to call him the governor at this point? <sighs> it, I we call him Brian. I, maybe we should call him Brian because he's not governing anything. He's clearly not the same man he was in Woodbury. I don't know that he's the governor anymore. Anyway, right well, we now we should
1: think of a word: the the ghost of the governor, um, shadow of the governor. Yeah, <laughs> shadow. The governor's ghost. Um, the governor's shadow. Yeah, because he's a shadow of of his former self.
0: He is, but I w- I would say he might not even be anything like his former self.
1: Um. Maybe we should use the uh, pen governor. Like the, uh, you know, the the difference between umbra and penumbra? Yes. The the edge of something where it's not quite what, not quite the darkest part, but it's not quite the lightest part. It's sort of like the in-between thing. Yep. So we'll just uh, use that uh, uh, that to describe him. So pen governor. The pen governor. Yeah.
0: Okay. The pen governor goes upstairs
1: <laughs> into the
0: apartment above <laughs> and he gets the backgammon out from under the bed. He... Yeah. Uh, Here's a noise, and uh, he goes into the bathroom where he sees an overturned wheelchair, a couple of prosthetics le- prosthetic legs, and he finds the resident of the apartment in the bathtub as a zombie with no face. <laughs> right. So tell me what happened to this guy, Jason.
1: He, w- he, uh, he sat in the bathtub, and he tried to... Uh, he put a gun in his mouth and pulled the trigger. And he managed to blow his face off but not kill himself. Yeah. Well, because that happens. Because when you put your gun gun in your mouth, usually you put it up against right behind your your top teeth, right, which generally is pointing straight up. You pull the trigger, you're gonna blow your nose off, the front, the top of your mouth. You're gonna make a huge mess, but you're not gonna die.
0: Oh. That's like putting a gun to someone's well, cheek. Listen, you might die, but in this world, you'll come back as a zombie with no face.
1: Yeah, you have to point back. Oh. Like, almost straight back. You don't point up.
0: This was one of... I don't know. This was one of the, the most horrible things I've seen on this show, in my opinion. It's pretty nasty. Because this guy is a, a war veteran. He has no legs. He goes into the bathtub to kill himself to end it all, manages to screw it up, and then he comes no. back as a zombie with no face. He didn't
1: screw it up. I think he died. Like,
0: he, he was successful. He successfully okay. killed himself. Okay, you're right. I guess. he And he didn't know he would come back, but... um. It he just, just didn't
1: do the brain trauma. Right, he that didn't he do the would brain. Have, if, if he had done the brain trauma, then uh, he wouldn't have come back. But he missed the brain, but he still died.
0: That's kind of what I meant about screwing it up, though. He, he, oh, okay. He sorry. missed the brain. but um,
1: Suicide successful? Yeah.
0: Brain <laughs> destruction, not so much. Yes. Except he wouldn't have known, probably, that he has to shoot himself in the brain. Right. Anyways, I don't know. this This whole zombie upset me a fair bit. So the governor stabs him through the lack of face and uh then he takes his gun. <laughs> so to add insult to injury, he steals the guy's gun. Doesn't steal it. Well, I guess he's not going to need it anymore. It's
1: salvage rights. It's
0: fine. <laughs> okay, fine. Um where are we? So we go to a commercial finally and when we come back, the governor has brought the backgammon set back and he's back in his own apartment and he looks at a picture of his family and the same picture that he had in Woodbury, and then he folds himself out of the picture. Yeah. So I took this to mean, basically, that that man is gone. That man no longer exists. He, that man turned into the governor, and that and then the governor turned into the pen governor, and the original Philip Blake is just so far removed at this point, he looks at a, a picture of himself, doesn't even recognize himself, so he wants to fold him out of that picture
1: yeah i just uh i just looked up uh pen and it's it uh, it's from the latin word pane p-a-e-n-e which means almost uh not quite and or nearly i'll well, see so in he, that case i'm not sure it
0: applies then because i don't think he's almost the governor i think he's long gone all right but but let's so what is go it, the with anti
1: governor. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I'm not let's even... just call him Brian for crying out we should loud. Prob- he's going to be Brian for a while. Probably
0: just call him Brian. By the end of this episode, I think, uh, you know, we're we've come full circle a little bit, anyways. So um, now it's morning, and Lily comes in and notices he comes. Lily comes into Brian's apartment and notices the picture on the coffee table because he's asleep mm-hmm. on the couch and she uh uh, you know he wakes up and he snatches the picture away i guess he doesn't want her to see it yeah but she says she wants to give him some food for the road he of course refuses but she throws the bag at him (laughs) which i thought was kind (laughs) of funny it's like you're taking this i don't care what you say you're saying thank Um, you deal with it yep and he offers her his gun uh and he shows her that he has a new one and says, you know, you can or sorry, she offers his gun back, but he says you can keep it because I have a new one. I right. stole it from the guy upstairs.
1: I have this, yeah.
0: Um and uh he then tells her that you have to kill the brain for the zombies to die. And you right. know what ha- and what happens next is Lily asks why. She asks why do you have to kill the brain and the governor just shrugs. And I I realize that I'm pretty sure this is the first time someone has asked that question. <laughs> why?
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: It, it's a valid question. Why do you? I was have surprised to kill, as well. Why do you have to? What is it about this where you have to kill the brain? I mean, why does that kill them?
1: Well, it's a, you know, it's from what uh, Jenner said. It's that it's a kind of an offshoot of meningitis, which happens in the lower part of the brain. Yeah. Uh, so that's where the the um, uh, the start of the disease is right like that's where it lives that's where it resides so you have to kill that part of the brain that's diseased that's that's my answer to why i guess so that is a good answer i mean
0: but i but i guess we don't i I, it was just interesting that she's the first character be like why (laughs) after all (laughs) this time and they have no idea and he tells her and she's like well that doesn't make any sense but (laughs) i liked it i thought it was kind of a, a cool little bit Now, before she leaves, she asks the governor to go to a nearby old folks' home to get more oxygen for her dad. And uh, she basically says that he should do it for Megan because Megan needs her grandfather around. Mm -hmm. So we cut straight to the governor approaching, approaching, sorry, Brian, approaching the old folks' home. And he goes inside. He's slowly walking down a dark hall. He passes a zombie strapped to a bed. Every time someone goes into a building in this show, it's a dark scary hallway (laughs) well yeah i guess there's no lights so uh, maybe
1: it's georgia all the hallways
0: are dark and scary
1: yeah i don't know that's the only thing i can i can uh i can assume
0: i i didn't find the hallways in georgia that frightening so i'm gonna go with lack of electricity
1: yeah well lack of electricity in those kind of hallways not like it's an open mall no that's true like uh, a huge mall with like lots of skylights and stuff these are uh you know, regular hallways with, uh, you know, in hospitals and old folks' homes, apparently uh, you you tend to fill the hallways full of stuff, uh-huh. right? Because you don't have enough storage in the actual room, so you fill all the hallways. So the hallways get even smaller. Yep. And then you get rid of all the electricity and put a couple of zombies in there. It's downright tight in there. Tight, dark, and scary. Yeah. He passes a zombie strapped to a bed. Uh, he passes a zombie strapped to a wheelchair. Now, I was interested in this zombie. The wheelchair zombie? Yes, because uh, if you're in a wheelchair, that means you don't have the use of your legs. Mm-hmm. Generally, uh, well, not necessarily. But uh, I was thinking that if there was some kind of spinal injury that was preventing uh, the the person, the alive person, from using their legs, how would that translate into uh, zombieism? Would the zombie then gain access to the legs somehow, or not? Well, and the I mean, answer is ultimately not. Yeah,
0: you you know, signals from the brain do not get to the legs or whatever part of your body because there's a sever in the spinal cord, basically, right? Right, yeah. So that sever would still be there, and I guess zombie brains still control the rest of the body. That's why you have to kill the brain. There's your answer. Yeah. And so, no, I don't think a paralyzed living person would become unparalyzed as a zombie.
1: Well, you know, some... Uh... Unless they're John Locke. P- some paralyzations are not complete right like the severing of the uh, the spinal cord or the nerves or whatever is not a complete sever true it's just a partial thing and uh... you can learn to reuse parts of your body i'm just wondering if being a zombie that uh... you know the emotional aspect of relearning that kind of stuff goes away so maybe a zombie would be better at relearning how to walk say after a stroke
0: Oh, i don't know like the zombie just gets up and does it basically yeah i don't know well interesting the thing i found interesting in this scene is that the governor doesn't kill any of these zombies he just you know he leaves the one in the bed he bypasses the one in the wheelchair then he closes a door from a zombie that's in a room just so the zombie can't come out yeah he doesn't seem to to kill many anymore he just kind of bypasses them which is weird why bother? Now, he gets to a room, and it has a whole cart full of oxygen tanks, and I'm like, oh my god, he's hit the oxygen tank mother load. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> this is great. Um, but he, he starts wheeling it out, and he's just kind of being careless with it, I thought. He encounters a bunch of zombies, and he tries to ram them with the cart, which I didn't think was a very good idea.
1: He goes from being, like like you said, he doesn't kill any of the zombies. He sneaks into this place like a ninja. Yeah. And as soon as he finds that cart, he's like a freight train. Like he goes from ninja to freight train in like four seconds and starts trying to barrel out of this place with this freight train full of oxygen. And it
0: just doesn't work.
1: It was just dumb. Like, dude, find a door and like pick up a bottle, carry it out sneakily, and then just do it one at a time, you know? Carry everything out and then you take the take the load out. Or you walk out into the driveway and see if the oxygen delivery truck is there. <laughs> yeah. Because that'd be the best thing, right? That would. Just keep finding trucks full of stuff you need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
0: he he rams the zombies with the cart, spills the tanks all over the place, can't do anything, so he has to grab two tanks and he try and he runs out of there, basically. Yeah. Next scene, he's returning. Uh, to the apartment with the tanks, he goes right into, uh, with the oxygen tanks, he goes right back into his own apartment across the hall, and Lily comes in to patch up a big cut on his forehead, which I didn't really even see how he got, but I guess he got it when he spilled the oxygen tank cart.
1: I'm not sure. I'm watching that part right now. watching as we talk. Oh, that's exciting. I'll see if I can figure it out. She disinfects the cut and says uh, something interesting.
0: She said that the end of the world is boring. And it's good to have something to do. <laughs> yeah. Interesting take on it. She explains that Megan's dad, who I guess would have been her uh husband or boyfriend, left three years ago and just never came back. Right. And that me when Megan saw the governor out the window at the beginning, she thought that was her dad coming back. Right. Which is kind of a sad story for Megan.
1: <laughs>
0: um Megan at that point comes into the room. And Lily leaves her there with the with Brian while she goes for some ointment for his forehead. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, "Are you sure you want to leave your your daughter with this this guy? I mean, I know he's been around for a little while now, and he's helped you out and so on. But do you really
1: know him? You're just gonna leave her there?" But
0: I guess Lily feels trustworthy trusting of the governor by now.
1: Well, I guess so. It's been almost you know. 12 hours
0: (laughs) I think it's been a I think it's been a number of days at this point but no still
1: no he was gonna spend the night he did and then that was pretty much it he got dinner he got the backgammon set it was the next day he went to uh uh, he went to get the oxygen and now he's back from getting the oxygen you think it's It's only been like 12 hours max you think it's
0: only been the one day I kind of got the feeling maybe like time was passing a little bit we were just seeing bits and pieces of their interaction
1: no i thought that was a it was very continuous and i was i was guessing it was only 12 hours all
0: right so maybe maybe that's the case um but while megan is in there with him by herself she asks him what happened to his eye right and he says uh uh, i'll tell you but you have to promise to keep it a secret and Mm -hmm. uh she pinky swears with him which it's one of the most um binding swears you can make (laughs) Well, Binding he must agreements.
1: be a complete idiot because how many people in North America don't know what a pinky swear is? Well, maybe
0: it's not a thing in the South. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's living under a rock, he, or he might. Maybe he just you know wrote the the whole uh, part that deals with uh, his daughter, or uh, completely out of his brain. Like that's it. I don't know anything about kids anymore. Yeah, I don't know how to fist bump. I don't know how to pinky swear. don't even know what a double dog dare is.
0: Yeah, he probably doesn't. But he says he's a pirate, which gets a good laugh because Megan goes, No way!
1: (laughs) That was awesome. Yeah, (laughs) I I, thought that was great. I like that.
0: And then he tells her, though, that what really happened is he was trying to help someone, and he got hurt, and the someone he was trying to help got hurt, too. Yeah. So we go to a commercial, and when we come back, the governor is in the apartment with the ladies, and he is now clean-shaven cut his hair and shaved yeah. his beard well he's not clean shaven but he's gotten rid of the giant snake plissken beard right or did plissken have a beard I, No, he didn't have a beard yeah he okay. was
1: kind of scruffy looking but uh he didn't he have really long hair and an eye patch yeah that's what it is it's and a big and snake patch. tattoo on his chest
0: well it, it, brian may have a giant snake tattoo on his chest for all we know he very well could andrea would know uh, so listen, he's, um, he's all cleaned up now and so, okay. So even if time hadn't passed before, I think some time has passed now. Don't you think?
1: At least long enough to shave. At least long enough to shave and grow a little bit of stubble back. So maybe a few days. No, you just trim it. You, you don't shave right down to the wood, do you? <gasps> no. You, you're you right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You just kind of give it a good trim. So it's maybe like half an hour? <laughs> couple of hours. I'll give you a couple of hours. <laughs>
0: okay, fine. Um, he's sitting there though, and he's sitting, setting up a chess game with Megan and she's asking a lot of questions about chess and then she drives an eye patch on the King. So he looks like Brian. I thought that was clever. That was pretty sweet. It was. Um, and the governor gives her a quote. He says, you can lose a lot of soldiers and still win the war. This season has been big on like one liner quotes. Have you noticed that? No. All right. Well, it has. They've been written on uh, paintings. (laughs) Herschel's been delivering them. Now Brian's delivering them. Nice. Um, All the while, this is happening in the background, in the bedroom. Tara and Lily are with their father, and he's obviously doing poorly, if not dead already. A little bit later, the chess game is underway. All the pieces have been, you know, are in play. And Lily comes out to get Megan because, well, he's dead now. Their father, her grandfather. Mm Mm-hmm. In the bedroom, Megan's at his uh, bedside, not Megan, Um, Tara is at his bedside and says that he may have been dead for a while, and the governor says, well, we should probably all leave then, but (laughs) they don't, and uh, just as, you know, just after that, he comes back and he nearly gets Megan, but the governor springs into action and smashes his head with one of the oxygen tanks. A number of times, and that was pretty nasty. Just flattened that head right down. Yep. Um smash cut to the governor digging a grave. Right. So
1: smashing the head with an oxygen tank right into
0: digging a grave. Lily comes out and she helps him drop the body into the ground.
1: Oh, very unceremoniously. Just thumped. They just kind of fling that thing into the into the ground there. Yeah, they like just so much for honoring the dead and they didn't respecting. even say anything. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but maybe they did that before.
1: No, they're just having a conversation. Time to get rid of this thing. Thunk. Bury it.
0: Yeah. Uh, so they come back inside, and it looks like Megan has retreated back into her shell. So she started mm-hmm. talking again, but it looks like maybe she's, you know, gone quiet again. Um, Tara, though, says she doesn't blame the governor for what he did. She knows they come back no matter what. And uh, she basically says, no hard feelings. We're good. And this time they do a proper fist bump. Yep. So they're coming together as a little family here. I think A so. fist-bumping family. mm mm-hmm. um, Back in Brian's apartment, he now has the picture of his family, his old family again, with Penny and his, his wife, and he lights it on fire and burns it away. Mm-hmm. So I guess he's finally put that behind him. He no longer needs that anymore, and he's fully moved on. He's got a new family now. He does have a new family. Two girls and a new daughter Mm -hmm. (laughs) two wives and a new daughter (laughs) sister wives yeah i guess so and sister sisters (laughs) sister sisters he 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 leaves he knocks on their door to say goodbye because at this point he's gonna move on gonna pounds on the door hit the road again he
1: doesn't just like politely knock he's like bang 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 oh really bye i didn't notice how hard he hit (laughs) turns around (laughs) um but lily comes
0: out and says nope we're coming with you and i was like really you're going with him You have this safe apartment, full of food, clearly like 4,000 rounds of ammo, and you're just going to leave? That doesn't make any sense to me. No, not at all. Except that she has fallen for this man, and she she is going to follow him. And also, don't forget, life is boring, so she's looking for some excitement. Right, so the, the dangerous guy is the exciting guy. Well, she says there must be something better than living in this place. And I'm like, seriously? That place seems pretty good it's not bad but at the same time they don't really know what's out there because they didn't even know you have to shoot walkers in the head so she may not know the extent to which the uh, world has gone to crap
1: they are uh survivor babies survivor babies yeah they're babies of the survivors right they don't know anything they have to they can cannot fend for themselves they can't do anything they don't have any skills unable to feed themselves uh they're survivor babies
0: yeah, well, they're going to have to grow up quick, I think, if they're going to leave with them. And, of course, he doesn't want them to come, but uh, they do. We go to commercial. We come back, and they're in the food truck, and they're talking about where to go. And the governor doesn't want to plan. He says he just wants to drive and see where the road takes them.
1: <laughs> where they let them go. Yeah. We'll go where they let us.
0: Yes, those, the the road and the walkers. Yeah. And Tara, at this point, admits to not being a cop. So that's fine. Um who knows if she really had all that ammo or not right probably not and no, probably not. she asks then if she asks can we make it and he says yes we'll make it and i'm like isn't this kind of a vague question considering you don't know where you're going? Like
1: <laughs> make it where, yeah. like define make it please. Are we going to survive the next hour? Maybe. We're going to survive the next 24? Mm, probably not.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> make it where, make it how, make it, you know, it's just I was like, what? This is not
1: even a question. Maybe she was asking him for sex.
0: <laughs> well, um <laughs> if she was, uh, I think the wrong woman got the sex. They're four.
1: <laughs> it's their sisters had they had
0: the sex. Uh we see them sleeping in the back of the truck. Lily turns to the governor speaking of sex and they start making out. Now, yep. you know what the biggest problem with this scene was? There's a little girl in the truck? Well, there's two other people right there in the truck. One of them, yeah, a little girl, and they're just going to do it like there and not worry about those other folks. I mean, I guess you got to do what you
1: got to do in the zombie apocalypse. I, I had I had no qualms with this. I had no problems with this. In uh, extreme circumstances, uh, the human spirit must survive, and uh, when you're living in this close proximity with uh, with people uh, for survival, uh, you put up with stuff like this. And when you were 21, you probably have a story about something like this? <laughs> well, I don't really want to say, but there's some stories. <laughs> well, you always have a story. <laughs> All right. Well, they uh it seemed around then. It's... <laughs> I was around that age, yeah. All right,
0: great. It's it seemed kind of weird to me, but you're right. In extreme circumstances,
1: you know, the human spirit survives. <laughs> okay, think think about this. You've got a survival instinct and you have a sex drive. Sometimes they both have to they both have to win. Yeah. So the survival instinct is to stay together, uh-huh. stay alive, and the sex drive is do that person next to you.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I guess that's what happened cuz yeah, we didn't see it,
1: but the implication is that they went for it. Well, I don't know if they actually had sex. They didn't really. Okay. Well, you're right. You know, they there was, you know, second base for sure. Uh-huh. But I don't think there was a I don't necessarily believe that they you know, were you know, rocking the shocks there on the back of that uh, food truck.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, they they, uh, they warmed up a little. Maybe they're working towards that. Right. Um, we cut to the morning, and the truck won't start. So... It's from all the sex. <laughs> it must be
1: from all the sex.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they proceed on foot. They're walking along, and Tara mentions Sam. Now, my first thought was like, hey, is this the same Sam as from a couple episodes ago? Because the hippie guy was Sam, wasn't he? Yep. But it's not because they reveal that Sam was a woman, and Tara apparently was in a relationship with Sam before Sam told her that she has a boyfriend. So Tara likes the ladies. Oh, well, there you go. Tara is a lesbian. Tara likes the ladies who likes the guys? I think that's what they said, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, But as they're walking, she turns to look at Megan, who's kind of lagging behind a bit, and... uh, she didn't really turn herself around successfully because she twists her ankle <laughs> which and falls down which is which is a bummer
1: well she's got a big low a big big pack on her on her back right? right like it's it seems like it's pretty heavy and they've been walking for a while i assume maybe a couple of hours and uh, if you don't watch where you're going if you don't have proper footwear and you got you're a little top heavy. Uh, it can be dangerous, right? Well, it's dangerous enough that she twisted her ankle, and of course, just at this moment,
0: they come across a, a bunch of walkers that are doing something and start coming at they them.
1: They were looking at a sign that was hanging <laughs> it, off. There.
0: It did look like they were trying to read the sign. Hey,
1: eh? it's like no, it, the sign was hanging. It was broken and making noise, and they were looking at the sign, <laughs> going, "That thing's making noise. Do you think <laughs> it's food?" No, no, that guy over there is food. Oh, we should go over there and get that
0: guy then. I assumed that they were looking at the sign, just trying to decide whether they could park their car there or not. Because sometimes the parking laws are. Confusing. Is there
1: parking? What? Uh, what's the sign? Sometimes they're
0: yeah, they're confusing parking it's, signs. It's at the first, the first to the fifteenth of the month, but not in the winter because there's snow removal. And
1: it's uh, only in Canada. I know it's only in Canada that's not down in in Georgia. I don't think. Yeah, here you have to. Uh, you're only allowed to park on one side of the street. Uh, for half the month and then you park on the other side so that they have the opportunity to remove all the snow.
0: Yeah, it's extremely confusing and I don't like it. There's a lot of they snow. Don't have
1: that in in St. Marie where I'm from from and they have more more I've uh, only seen that in Toronto. I haven't seen that in Sault Ste. Marie. First of all, the streets are the every house has a has a uh has a driveway first of all, which is uh not true in lar- large parts of of Toronto. So cars will park in their driveway and then the snow plows push all the snow into the driveway, so you have to clear it out. Yeah. Uh or if your car is in the street, uh they'll tow it or they'll just plow around it, which uh
0: Which is bad because be then you have giant really snow bad. banks around your car.
1: Yeah, like eight foot snowbanks yeah. over your car. You're digging you're you're like digging your car out for the next week and a half.
0: Yeah, well there's I'm in Regina and there's a fair bit of snow here right now and I don't know what the parking rules are like, but uh um I could see them doing that here too. So um what happens next the walkers start coming at them so they they go to run away they drop their bags and they go to run away but Megan just won't go Megan is no. clearly you know post traumatic stress again I guess or something like that she won't go she won't even come when her mother calls her and finally she comes to the to Brian who is calling her and yep. he picks her up and starts running with her and the, I don't know, I was like, why wouldn't he just run over to her and grab her and start running? I mean, they almost treated it like a dog situation. It's like, come on,
1: come mm-hmm. on, girl, run to me, come on. But yeah, just go go get her. Obviously, she's frightened, and her, uh, her instinct that's been honed over the last uh, 18 months is, if you're frightened, hide, hide.
0: Yeah, but you know what? They also needed this scene for her to... Um, it's important that it was the governor that she ran to, or Brian, I should say. Um, yeah. it, you know, it was important for her to k- trust him enough, I think, in this scene to run, run to him at this point. Um, so they go into the forest. The walkers are behind them. Brian, uh, uh, with Megan in his arms, kind of separates himself a bit from Lily and Tara because, um, Lily's trying to help Tara with the twisted ankle, uh, move a little quicker. And as Brian's running with the girl, he falls into a hole. (laughs) Big hole. A big hole. And I think there are four
1: walkers in there. A big rectangular hole. Yep. Very square, straight lines, uh, perfectly level floor, uh, about, what would you say, eight feet deep? Like, it was pretty deep. It was pretty
0: deep. And we've seen holes like this before. We have. These are the type of holes that uh, they were using in Woodbury to catch Um, walkers in that they could use in the arena Mm -hmm. so we've seen these holes before now he's in there with three or four walkers and a little girl so he manages to kill all the walkers with his bare hands before any of them and a bone Uh, he used a bone sorry he uses a bone that's right but basically with what he can find around him you know before they get him or the girl it was pretty impressive it was He smashes one into the ground. He rips the throat out of another one, which wouldn't really kill the walker, but I guess maybe he tore its head off too. No, it was just a big load of blood. Yeah, it looked gross. And as you said, the bone jaw ripping, that was pretty awesome. And then he punches one to death. I'm pretty sure he punches one in the face enough that it dies, which is, I mean, to punch someone in the face enough to get through to their brain, that's a lot of face punching.
1: Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but you're... face bones are stronger than your hand bones so basically if you want to do that you're not gonna it's not gonna happen you're gonna bust every little bone in your hand long before you get through to the any kind of brain pan
0: right well the guy um brian is has super hands and he manages to do it or the zombie had soft face bones which is more like
1: yeah they're nice and soft like uh nerf
0: yep now while this is going on you can hear automatic
1: weapon firing from somewhere. I heard that too, and I thought that a couple of times, and I'm like, no, I didn't hear that, because it didn't you know, manifest quickly. You yeah. hear, I heard automatic weapon fire, and I'm like, oh, that sounds like, what the hell? And then nothing happened, and then I heard it again, and nothing happened. I'm like, that's a little weird.
0: Yeah, well, the governor, obviously, or Brian, I should say, didn't have an automatic weapon, as as we could see. So I'm like, yeah, where is that coming from? What's going on? Did, like, one of the girls upstairs, out of the hole, find find a gun on the ground and start shooting it? I don't know. That would be weird. Um, but uh, Brian, in the hole, he grabs Megan, and he promises he's never going to let anything happen to her. Never, yep. ever. And all of a sudden, Martinez appears at the top of the pit and says, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he's holding a big automatic weapon. Yeah. So he was firing uh, the gun up there. Uh, I guess because, you know, the walkers were coming through the forest.
1: And that's the episode. That's it. So a hiking tip. Uh, Tara, when she was walking, she had these uh, big floppy boots on, and her laces were like way untied. Yeah. And that's just uh, asking for trouble. Oh, it's asking for an ankle twist, (laughs) like like she got. Fall down. And and tie up your shoes. Like, you know, just the basic. Just tie up your shoes.
0: Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Um, I got the bad ankle, and... If I'm ever walking anywhere and it's uneven ground, I'm constantly worrying about twisting my ankle. So, you know, you need to have big boots and tied up properly. So this episode, uh, for me, it was pretty good overall. I liked it. There was no prison gang in it, of course. Um, I would say that it wasn't the most captivating episode of all time. Um it was a bit of a snore fest. Uh it was well, I mean it was slow, and that's what I mean by not captivating, but there was a lot of information and we did you know, we did get to see what the uh, Brian and Slash the Governor has been doing for I guess a number of months. See, I think it was a I think this was a period of a couple of months at least. I think he what? was in that apartment with the with the family for a few months before they left.
1: No, that's crazy. They were there for like Two days, two and a half days before
0: before they left. See, that's not the feeling I got. I got the feeling that we were seeing little bits and pieces of a long stay in that apartment, and now we're like maybe three months into the seven or eight-month break between seasons. But you clearly I don't disagree. I not
1: think so. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the leaves on the trees right now, and I don't think they changed at all from the beginning of the episode to the end. Mm. Well, that's a good sign, I guess, or a good indicator
0: right there. But
1: Yeah, no, I, I give it like you know 48 hours maybe 56 hours and that's about it
0: it just feels like that it feels like he went from being this disheveled mess of a man to uh, you know finding this family finding a girl finding basically penny 2 whose name is Megan that he can you know um uh, that he can latch onto and f- treat as if it's she's his own if that all happened in 48 hours i don't think so i think that, that has to happen over did... time
1: no, he just needed a trigger. He just needed something to uh, snap him out of it. So this was exactly what he needed to have, uh, you know, to snap out of his his funk that he's been walking around with for a few months. Yeah. So maybe I he think was... It was... just I think just happened just like that. Well, okay. He is a bit of an impulsive guy, so
0: maybe these things can happen really quickly for him. I don't know. So, yeah, maybe he was walking around for a few months, and then he found the family, and he was only with them for two days. Yeah, that's what I think. All right. Uh, maybe maybe you're right um so as i said off the top this storyline was ripped right out of rise of the governor pretty much Mm -hmm. um although in that book it happens before they get to woodbury and in this book or in the (laughs) show obviously it happens sort of after post woodbury um now do you think do you think the do you think brian slash philip slash the governor is after now that he's coming back from his you know his uh his funk as you called it do you think he's any any different than he was before? Like do you no. do you think he's right back to being the sort of heartless, you know, maniacal bastard he always was?
1: Well you see that's where uh I don't think he thinks he's doing that. His whole uh reason for coming up with Woodbury and for everything he did uh was protecting what he considers uh, his own. Yeah. And and so he lost everybody, and that's why he was that disheveled mess for a long time. That all of a sudden, now he has someone to care about and to protect again. And in order to do that, he has to do A and then B and then C and then D. <clears throat> so now he's done A, and now he's got to do B, which is take over whatever group that Martinez is part of.
0: Yeah, but so you just think this brings him right back to where he was, basically, just before the end of Season 3, or in
1: Season 3. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't think there's been any any real character development. I think he's right back to uh his old tricks. He's going to get right back to his old tricks because he has the same uh motive for doing it, you know, protecting what he considers his family. I guess do you feel any different about the guy now? Like uh, Oh, I care about him a lot more now. I have a I feel for the guy now because he hit rock bottom. Because he hit rock bottom and uh you know, his motives were uh plain Whereas before they were a little nebulous for a long time, yeah. Um, where, yeah, I I absolutely feel for the guy now. I thought this episode was great for that.
0: I wonder. I was I was wondering after I watched this that obviously you know um, Scott Gimple is the man running the show now, and it uh, it was Glenn Mazzara last season, and obviously this whole episode was about giving the governor back a family for him to to care about and to. Uh, uh, work for or fight for, I guess. And, like, that seemed to be the whole point of this episode. So I was wondering if Gimple kind of felt like that was... uh, that whole thing was handled kind of abruptly in Season 3. and And maybe he wants to tell a different... or or tell the same story in a different way. (laughs) And I kind of hope that's not the case, right? I don't want to see the same thing over again, just with different people. Yeah. You know? and uh, that's that's kinda what I'm worried about here now I've seen the the uh, the previews and the promos for next week which I won't get into um and, except for saying that yes the the Martinez has a group and it looks like there's some tension within that group what what's exactly it's caused by I can't really say I don't know what um but I just hope that like I don't want to see the governor storyline drawn out again being kind of a similar story and similar themes and I'm worried that that's what they're doing here they're just giving him back the family they're giving him back a daughter now it could be you know I I I think it could go really well because you know he, he he sees this as a second chance but I just don't want it to play out in a kind of a same way you know
1: yeah, i i can uh, I can understand your concerns, and uh, now that you raise them, I have them too. It,
0: it, it, like it's almost like this is Governor rebooted. You know, we had Governor storyline done by one showrunner. New showrunner comes in, and is like, you know what? I don't really like how we did that Governor storyline in season three. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the character, reset him back to zero, give him his family back, give him his daughter back, and do it again because let's just pretend that didn't happen and and I want to do it my way now. And I I really, really hope that's not happening.
1: Yeah, I hope that's not happening as well. But I have that same fear now. Yeah.
0: Sorry. (laughs) Otherwise, (laughs) though, I thought the episode was pretty good. I mean, there were some, you know, that one zombie in the bathtub was one of the most upsetting zombies I think I've seen. Um, There were a few good kills. I think some interesting things happened and, you know, Brian slash the governor is a pretty interesting character um i just don't know where we're gonna go from here and that's what i'm a little bit worried about so
1: who knows sky's the limit we will see did you like the episode though i think overall i did like it it was a little uh, slower paced uh than uh i was expecting uh i thought it was kind of slow and dragged in places yeah but um yeah but not but overall I think I liked it.
0: Yeah, I I still think I liked it more than those couple of episodes after the first one of of this season. Um but it was it was very very different. I mean, it's I I guess it's a bottle episode, but I'm pretty Ooh, sure. Absolutely. But I'm pretty sure the next one follows directly, so it's kind of almost like we have a double bottle episode here. Right. I don't know that we're going to get any prison uh storyline next week either, which is
1: kind of uh, strange right I like that I uh, that this episode made me care about the governor. I really like that now that uh, that I actually see him as a uh, kind of a protagonist now rather than just kind of this uh you know pure evil bastard bad guy yeah he's uh he now has he's now the the flawed bad guy rather than, or the with some kind of redeeming qualities rather than the uh you know just you know the Darth Vader kind of thing. Well, I guess Darth Vader had a redemption as well, but. Yes,
0: but no, that's that's a good point. You're right. I mean, I guess as long as they do something a little bit new, you know, we've seen that storyline. We didn't know anything about him when we saw him in season three. We had to learn everything or all we knew is what they showed us, right? So now that we've seen that, we've seen what he's been through, as long as they don't do the same thing, like I keep saying, I think it will make for a more enriching storyline with him. Right. A richer storyline.
1: Now, just uh, bringing this back to uh, this this situation showing up in the rise of the governor. Now, my understanding was that the rise of the governor was supposed to be canon to both the comic and the TV show, but that's out the window now. Well, isn't it?
0: you know what, Robert
1: Kirkman. I don't know. <laughs>
0: I don't know that he's totally thought this all through. To be honest with you. Oh, God, no. Oh, good Lord, no. He's writing the comic. He's still doing that. It's it's going strong. He's involved in the TV show. He doesn't write them all, but he writes some of them. And he's helping out out on video games. He's writing those novels. I think he would like to think that everything is canon, but clearly it's not. I mean,
1: yeah, it's definitely, definitely not. Canon to the to the TV show.
0: They basically told the same storyline here, but a little bit different. And the biggest difference was the time frame in which this storyline took place. So yeah. I think the comic, the novels, and the TV show are two are three completely separate things right now, variations on the same story.
1: Right. Yeah, and I, I would uh I would agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Because uh yeah, this is this is definitely right out of that book, but in with completely different Uh, you know, narrative. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I also agree with you that uh, I don't think Robert Kirkman has thought out uh, the entire storyline of any of these three properties, the, the book, the TV show, or the comic. But I think that is part of the, the charm of the whole thing is that not even the creator knows what's going to happen, right? (laughs) Anything could happen. Literally anything could happen. Yep. Uh, he doesn't know, we don't know, and he could go anywhere, he could change his mind and go, I don't like that Rick guy anymore, and just kill him off, and, uh, now the show is all about, uh, Carol and, uh, Stooky, you know? (laughs) You never know. (laughs) You never know. Yeah,
0: I, I, and I don't blame the guy, like, I, I imagine it would be difficult to keep all this straight, you know? And, and also considering the comic is pretty far ahead of, of where the TV show is, if you look at the storylines. And think that they're related in any way. And the books are really just telling a an even sort of more compressed version of of the story, focusing on one character. So I don't blame the guy for kind of losing track of everything. And he probably gave up a long time ago trying to keep it all in canon and related.
1: There is a small core of people whose entire job is to manage the canon aspect of Star Wars. Really, eh? That that's it. That their whole job is just to make sure all of the different properties match up with the with the actual storyline or the actual universe that this happens in. You
0: know, there's there's gotta be all kinds of examples of conflicting information in Star Wars, though. It's just so there, uh, massive. not before
1: these people started. There was one uh, there was one storyline in the book where Luke and Leia kind of started having a, an affair. Yeah. Uh, but that was before these people got hired and then once that happened that this kind of shit doesn't happen anymore
0: really imagine how vast your knowledge of the Star Wars universe must be to be one of those
1: people oh yeah super crazy super crazy yeah. so
0: alrighty well um, that's it for this episode not bad not you know pretty good just not amazing and uh, it's really going to depend for me where they go from here I think right um, So, we, we will see. Okay, Jason, let's do some, uh, holy craps, did you see that?
1: All right, really quickly, though.
0: Uh, sure, really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so this first one, um, uh, you know, I know a bunch of people have sent them in sort of over the course of today. Because I'm in Regina, uh, I'm just going to use that as an excuse. I grabbed as many as I could from uh, earlier in the day, and uh, we'll try to get some more on maybe next week. But uh, this one comes from Mike in Westchester, PA. He says, the girl said, cross my heart and hope to die, as her promise to the governor about his secret. She never said, stick a needle in my eye. (laughs) Perhaps that's a little humor the writers intended about the governor missing his eye and her being sensitive to his deformity. Nice. (laughs) Because that's true. Cross my heart and hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. That's how it was said when I was a kid.
1: Well, yeah. (laughs) So that's the punishment for, uh, for breaking your promise. For breaking the promise. So uh, the next one is an email from uh, James in Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, I have got to say the holy crap moment for me was the governor rechanneling his inner John Woo. First the National Guard firefight and now standing in front of a burning, burning building. Uh, I'm making an early prediction that we see dual, uh, dual pistol spins and slow motion table leaping uh, a la Chan Yao Fat by season end. Uh, great job in the writers for making us all care, about the Governor I hope he continues his escape from new york or l a
0: so uh there you go snake, snake pliskin snake um i d i uh i don't i don't know enough John woo to sort of pick up on the references that James is making i think
1: yeah i i, I just i i think we need doves oh. Flying, flying away in the background while he slow motion spins his pistols and leaps over a table. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why I not? Think that's man? what we need. Yeah,
0: why not? <laughs> All right, Neil from the internet writes My holy crap for this episode is good old Governor Brian taking out three walkers in progressively worse manner. So, <laughs> that was in the pit. So, which three walkers is he talking about? The, the ones in the pit. Three in the pit. Just the three in the pit? You're, he's not, I he, think so. He doesn't mean like the guy in the bathtub, then. Uh, the girl's father, and then, I don't know, you're you're probably right, the three in the pit. Yeah,
1: I think it's the three in the pit.
0: Anyways, those were pretty awesome Walker Kills, as we said. They were. Yeah, they were.
1: All right, so Kevin from the internet. Holy crap, did you see that most of the whole episode was copied from uh, the novel Rise of the Governor? Hey, we said that. (laughs) We did. Seriously, Robert Kirkman and other Walking Dead writers, have you lost your imagination? I was quite bored through this episode. A little bit of redemption in the last two minutes. There better be a huge payoff with taking this already used storyline.
0: My problem with this, Kevin, I apologize though, is that this whole thing, this whole TV show comes from a storyline in the comic, as, you know, we've we've talked about. And they, they use little bits and pieces here or there. And again, this one was a little closer than um than I think most of the storylines. But, you know, that's that's gonna happen, right? And it didn't bother me too much that it was taken right out of the novel, but it was just more obvious now. And uh, I think overall, when you think about The Walking Dead TV show, you know, I know it comes from the comic, but I've stopped thinking about that so much when I watch it, so I can just kind of enjoy it for what it is on its own. And I can see Kevin's point here, whereas this was so obviously ripped from the book, I was like, oh, this is from the book. And I was thinking about that the whole time.
1: Sometimes you know, TV shows borrow from other materials. I used to, uh, I was a huge uh, Law and Order fan, and then they launched uh, Law and Order UK with Jamie Bamber from Battlestar Galactica. Yep, that's that's not a spoiler. Uh, He was a a detective in it, and they took one of the storylines directly from the original Law and Order series and reused it in Law and Order UK. Yeah, and I was fine with that. I thought, like, even the plot twist was the same. They didn't change anything. Yeah, I think they might have just like said, "Here, here's a script." go
0: yeah well sometimes they do that when they remake a show you know they they remade or they tried to remake the coupling the british coupling show in in the u.s and it was horrible which is weird because they took the same storyline the same premise in the first episode and redid it in america but it didn't work the same way
1: no it didn't because you have to have uh the actors that were in that show made that show it's very true yeah it, uh, yeah you can't you can't kind of you can't make that again no
0: okay scott from new jersey writes in my moment is right before he burned the photo towards the end of the episode the picture looked like a different person than the governor maybe it's my head playing games with me but and this is um spoilery from the book people this is a little bit more spoilery than just having it on screen uh Uh, Scott says, maybe it was the governor remembering that the man in the picture was his brother and Penny is not really his daughter. So Jason, I went back and looked. I checked the scene because, um, and and you know what? It does kind of look like a different person when he's looking at that photo in this scene. But ultimately, I don't think it is. I think it's just a weird angle and how the paper's bent now and maybe the low lighting and stuff. It seems to distort his image a little bit plus we don't know it's him yeah i'm looking at it right now it's absolutely him well i thought it looked a little bit different but i think we also just don't see the the man smiling very often and he's smiling in the picture too so um it kind of looked like liam neeson to me to be honest (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah it's liam neeson and i was like well maybe they just got liam neeson to stand in and that's it you know but no it's it is him but just i don't know something about the way the light was reflecting distorted it a little bit so i could see how you might think it was somebody else
1: now, we saw this picture last season as well, right? We did. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. So when I first saw this picture, I thought it was one of those things where, uh, you know, he's in the photo, but he's in a family photo with his brother, his bri- brother's wife and daughter, and his brother was on the other side of the wife, and he just cut him out. Uh-huh. So I was looking for that this time. I was looking for specifically, is you know, this a, a, a cropped photo to make it look like they're a family, and it is not because actually uh, uh, the governor and Philip and his wife are holding hands. Right. And it's, it's obvious where everybody's arms and legs are, and there's nobody else on the far side of, uh, of the woman.
0: No. Well, and, and it's definitely him. It is definitely <clears> him. Yeah. And uh, it's definitely the little girl who played uh, Penny because we met her at Walker
1: Stalker Con, and she was delightful to talk to. She was, If yeah. I can just say that right now. All right, so we have uh, Chuck from A Planet Called Earth. Yes. Holy crap, this entire episode was awesome. I especially liked when the governor dumped his SpaghettiOs out the window. Totally tough guy move. And then he was burning the picture. There was some of the O's left on the windowsill. Very good continuity. So they got the continuity right there. There yeah. you go.
0: <clears throat> Thank you, Chuck. Adam from Hampshire or Hampshire, UK writes, the flashback of the governor breaking into Woodbury and burning down his old place. When he was standing there, he looked badass. Please assign appropriate badass points now, Jason. 783. Thank you. All the walkers around were just roaming as usual. None of them even looked at him or were bothered. Uh, This was such a great metaphor to me, like he was dead
1: inside.
0: Yeah. And he was was at this point. He went to burn down his whole former town. Yep.
1: With his uh, road warrior transport truck plowing through the oh it, it was beautiful it was beautiful i was so happy that they did that it
0: was really cool when he just smashed through the gate like they it just exploded and out in the front of the truck it was really awesome it was really well you done
1: you think you think they did that just for me i think so you
0: think so that cuz that would be awesome the writers you know what the writers have been have been doing stuff for us lately yeah. they threw in jasper for you they did they threw they put in this road warrior scene for you yeah and um there are other examples of them throwing stuff in for other podcasters. Karen and David were killed in the prison. Uh our friend Karen from the Walking Dead cast is named is married to a guy named David. Yeah. So I think they're throwing in true. Easter eggs for all of us. <laughs> there's a uh that's that that's my that's the only conclusion I can come to anyways.
1: Yeah, there's there's a sp- specific medical term which is sort of like delusion uh or you know, some kind of mental disorder where uh, you believe something that is uh, not fantastical, like aliens are reading your thoughts through your feelings. And therefore it's true? Something that, uh, no, but no. that's that's completely delusional, right? That's just like, you know, the CIA is has been reading your brainwaves and is predicting your movements and therefore is watching you. That's delusional, but it's completely unplausible. Whereas there's a type of delusions where you just believe something that is completely believable, like it's something that could happen. Probably isn't, but it could happen. Okay, so which kind of delusion is this? I I forget the actual term, but it is a uh, a medical condition that uh, we might all be suffering from. Oh, all right. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right, Aaron from Syracuse, New York. Philip and the mother getting it on in the van uh, inches from a sleeping child. I was prepared for a little making out, but when he took her shirt down, I was like, whoa, there's a kid there. I flash back to Lori and Rick's reunion sex after, uh, where Lori, Lori assured Rick, a little too confidently, that Carl would not wake up. No such reassur- reassur- reassurances needed for the governor, I guess. No, he's that's a tough word. Reassurances. He's confident in what he's about to do. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he knows that. Girl's Other people not there. Wake up. So what? Yeah, he, he's either he's either confident or doesn't care. He's a bit of an exhibitionist. Oh, he may be. You're absolutely right.
1: Yeah, sex and sex
0: in a group of people. So what? So what? Do this all the time. Yeah. Jason from Seattle writes, "Holy crap! Did you see how close Jason's from the podcast prediction on the governor was a couple of episodes back? Jason had predicted that the governor had spent the last six months in a, as a drooling hobo. And by golly, if he wasn't right, at least partially I'm right. <laughs> so look, look at you, man, predicting stuff, yeah. and it's coming true.
1: Yeah, it's because that's what would happen to me if I was out in the world. <laughs> I would end up being a, you know, with no support system, I'd be a drooling hobo looking for a transport truck to drive through a wall. Yes, sir. And then burn burn a town down. (laughs) Because you wouldn't have anything else to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was a drooling hobo. What are you going to do? All right. So we got uh, Toby from Adelaide, Australia. I have a holy crap, did you see that moment for this week's episode, Live Bait? Did you guys notice the clown tent <laughs> that the governor crawled out of at the beginning of the episode? A Cub Scout would struggle to fit in that, let alone the governor.
0: Yeah, so I took a look, and it was comically small. It was very, very small, but I think it was just a one-man tent.
1: They don't make one-man tents, a two-man tents.
0: No, they make one-man tents. Do they? I, yes, they do. They make th- I've seen one. Now, I mean, you could cram 3 people or 2 people in there if you needed to, but I think technically this was a one-person tent and it's just a, a very skinny thing where it's uh, kind of just enough room for one person to lie in in a sleeping
1: bag kind of thing. David Morrissey is a tall drink of water. He's not going to fit in that tent. No,
0: and that's the thing about this tent is that it wasn't really a long skinny one-man tent. It was kind of a normally shaped tent. It was just comically small. So it kind of was a clown tent. You're a clown, Jason. Do they make clown tents? Uh, No, they
1: don't make. They make clown cars, right? But if they made a clown tent, you'd have like 45 clowns in there, and they'd all come out, right? Maybe it was a tent of holding, (laughs) where you know the inside is bigger than the outside. It's sort of like uh, the TARDIS. Okay, so only it's the Tentus. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Maybe he's got a swimming pool in there, and like uh, you know a bunch of lounge chairs and. Uh, you know, a bar and a bunch of party people, but and can they're he, all hanging out. Can he travel in time too, through time? No, no. He just has a, a no. That that's the TARDIS. That's that's a whole other thing. This is just a tent
0: of holding. <laughs> this, that's the TARDIS. This is the TENTIS. It holds lounge chairs and a swimming pool. Yeah, and a bar. And a bar because <laughs> you party people you can't have one
1: without the other. Yeah, they did. They had a tent of holding in uh, the Harry Potter Harry Potter <laughs> books and movies. <laughs> <laughs> the inside of the tent's bigger than the outside of the tent.
0: Right. And you run through a train station to get to Hogwarts.
1: Well, you don't run through a train station. You go through the specific track that's hidden to the rest right. of the world.
0: Sorry. And once you get there, there's a tent of holding. That's right. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. That is going to do it for our holy craps for now. Those were, those ended up being pretty good. Thank you everybody. Yeah, for, that was great. For sending those in. Um. We're going to end the podcast now. However, Stick around, if you want to, briefly, after the end, because I don't know if you recall, Jason, but last week, near the beginning of the podcast, I said, I have a theory on what's going to happen on the TV show, and you were supposed to remind me at the end to explain that theory, and then you never did, and I never explained the theory. So it's all my fault, then? Um, Yes, it is all your fault. I'll I'll take the hit. So... Um, somebody, you know, a few people wrote in and were like, "Hey, what happened to that theory? I want to know." But it's dude, what the hell? Yeah. Now it's technically not spoilery because I don't know what's going to happen. This is just my theory on what I think might be about to happen, and right. it's still pretty much valid after seeing this week's episode. Um, but I'm gonna do it after the closing credits here because. You know it's kind of spoilery for the comic I do talk about a lot of stuff in the comic and if it does play out this way
1: some people might not want to hear it because then it would be spoilery I did that to my mom once did I ever tell you about that I don't know probably my mom was reading Cujo now I had never seen Cujo I'd never read Cujo I didn't know anything about Cujo I didn't know this I'm gonna spoil Cujo just for everybody okay that's listening to this podcast now if you don't want Cujo spoiled and stop listening so my mom was reading Cujo and I was like what 10 maybe 12 I was walking by and all, I just said the boy dies <laughs> I have no I just <laughs> said a random sentence and uh, she was in the middle of the book and as, as it turns out uh, there was a little boy in the book and he died and my mom never forgave me nice going jerk yeah just you know saying random things well stupid psychic brain yeah yeah,
0: if if you weren't so clairvoyant, you wouldn't be doing stuff like that. Right. All right. Well, um let's let's tell people how they can contact us. Uh you can of course give us a call at one eight six six four eight three ZOMB. That's nine six six two and it's toll free, of course. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at Facebook dot com slash the Dead. You can also send email to Talking Dead Podcast at gmail dot com. Now Jason, I'm not 100% sure, and I hate to disappoint everyone, but I'm not sure we're going to have a feedback show this week, mostly because, as I said, I'm in Regina, and uh, I may have to work a lot and, while I'm here. And Regina is demanding. Regina is very demanding on my time this week, so yeah. we will. if we can't get it done, people, I apologize, but we'll make it up to you in some way, like maybe by recording a feedback show next week. <laughs> <laughs> as a treat <laughs> yeah as a treat <laughs> um but we'll see we'll see if if all goes well then you know maybe maybe we'll be able to do it and maybe uh, I'll read the feedback to my wife without recording it actually you should just turn on a microphone do that anyways and then that'll be it yeah. actually you mm-hmm. and your wife should do the feedback show
1: no she's busy on wednesday nights oh that's why i'm allowed to do the podcast <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. she continues to be busy on Wednesday nights.
1: <laughs> no, I'm committed now.
0: You know what, though? You should. You and her could do a podcast together. Read the feedback for us.
1: Could she be. Could, we, we wouldn't have, be able to have the the, the talk about it. You she, know the uh, could, the depth of insight that uh, you and I no, have because come on. we've read everything and watched everything. I'm an
0: idiot. She
1: would do just fine. It would be. Uh, it would. Um, she could fill in for me. This is all something to be considered and isn't going (laughs) to happen. Without any promises (laughs) or uh, assumptions that it will happen.
0: All righty. Well, we'll see what we can do, everyone. If we don't get her done, uh, I apologize. We'll be back next week, though, and we'll do an extra big feedback show. How about that? Sure. All right. That sounds good. Uh, That is excellent. Um, Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening, everybody. Okay, so the closing music is done, assuming that I can get the closing music into this episode, <laughs> which hopefully I can.
1: Oh, you can. You got the audio files, right? I
0: do. I have the audio files. I don't know if I have the, holy crap, did you see that bumper with me, though, but whatever. That We can live without it. You can get your
1: wife to do that.
0: Yeah. Talk her through Probably, it. but it's already 1130 where you guys are, and uh, she might be on her way to bed already. So... Okay, so people, here's my theory about what I think is going to happen over the next three episodes of The
1: Walking Dead. Right, and not including this one because the theory was for last week, so are you going to you know, talk about your theory about what's going to happen this week? No, not going to do that, but right. we've got episode
0: seven, episode eight, and episode nine coming up, and nine is the first one in the, uh, which will be in February sometime when the show comes back after the break. Right. Now, we have the governor out and about... He's doing stuff. We know that after he finishes doing stuff, um, you know, with what he's got going on right now, he ends up standing outside the prison staring in at everybody. Right. Um, We also know that Herschel and Michonne just left the prison to go and deliver some dead bodies outside the fence, we assume, because they took a car. Mm -hmm. So... I think those two groups or those two, that pair is going to come together somehow.
1: Um,
0: Now, we kind of already talked about that, and this is nothing new. I mean, other people on the internet have speculated this as well. But I think they're going to come together here. And the governor is going to take both of them prisoner. And this is going to upset Michonne because she wanted revenge on him in a big way but now she Because she's weird
1: and doesn't like being taken prisoner yeah who
0: yeah exactly she's totally weird um, and Herschel is you know got one leg and he can't run so he's gonna be taken prisoner now the governor wants to get into the prison and this storyline that I'm describing here kind of comes straight out of the comic. so as I said this is spoilery that's why I'm doing it after the uh, after the podcast is done right I think the governor wants to get into the prison in the comic book he has Tyrese captured and he drives up to the prison with Tyrese, and he says to them, open the gates and let me in, or I'm going to cut Tyrese's head off, and, I, and he uses Michonne's sword to do it. They don't open the gates of the prison, and he cuts his head off, and that's how Tyrese dies in the comic. Right. Um, the governor is now out there. He has Herschel, and he's got Michonne's sword, because we saw her put it in the car. So I think the governor's going to walk up to the front gate of the prison and say, open these gates and let me in, or I'm going to cut Herschel's head off. I think Herschel is going to fill in for Tyrese in the TV show in this plot line. I also think that Rick's not going to open the gate, and Herschel's head is actually going to be cut off by Michonne's sword on the show. Wow! And that is how Herschel dies. After Herschel just had his hero episode, that's how he's going to go out, getting cut off with his own friend's sword. (laughs) His head cut off, I should say. Decapitated, (laughs) how about? Um, At that point, the governor is going to you know, blast his way into the prison. In the comic, it happens because he has a tank and he's able to shoot the tank and blow up the fence. I bet you in the next episode, we find out that this gang that uh, Martinez is with has some sort of a tank or vehicle with heavy artillery. Right. So I'm pretty sure that's how it's going to play out. The governor's going to attack the prison. He's going to chop Herschel's head off. There's going to be a huge fight. A lot of people are going to die including the governor in the battle and the remaining survivors of the prison are going to scatter into the wilderness basically and go their own separate ways until some of them meet up again later on in the season. Right. So that's going to bring us to episode eight. I think next week we're going to get more information about the governor, about where his tank comes from, about what he's going to do. And it's going to end with him looking at the prison like we've already seen. Finale is going to be him attacking the prison, cutting off Herschel's head, all that stuff, and then the big fight. And the mid-season finale is going to end with the fall of the prison and all of the people scattering their own separate ways. Episode 9, after the break, is going to be a Rick and Carl episode. And they're going to tell the storyline from the comic right after the prison, where him and Carl are holed up in a house together. And Rick gets sick. And Carl basically is on his own for a few days while Rick is unconscious on the floor sick and uh, he has to kind of Man up and and survive on his own and you know, hope his dad doesn't die.
1: I don't think that's gonna happen. No No, I think that uh, we've already established that Carl is a survivor and is capable of uh, surviving on his own, I don't think we need that story in order to establish that
0: no i think I think this is going to be the uh sort of the final act of carl's mat you know fully full maturation is that a word yeah i and I think we've seen bits of it, but I think this is going to be like a Carl episode basically where um he's going to carry the episode, and if I'm not mistaken, Kirkman has said that there is going to be an episode that Carl carries that's going to focus all about you know that character. <laughs> Episode 9, written by Robert Kirkman, too. Right. So I have a feeling Kirkman's taking this story, the, the prison's going to fall, and we're going to see like a Rick and Carl storyline where Rick is incapacitated most of the time and Carl is, is,
1: is all by himself doing what needs to be done. I just don't think we need that for Carl's character development. No, yeah, personally. Y- you could be right. Because in the comic, he's way younger than Carl is in
0: the TV show, right? He is way younger, and he's, he's I think, a little bit more sheltered.
1: Yeah, so that it's important in the comic for Carl to you know be able to survive on his own and to have to uh, to grow up to do that. But in in the TV show, Carl is is uh, way older, and I think he's already shown his uh, level of maturity. I just I don't think we need to have a whole episode to establish that. You may be or right to further establish. You may
0: it. be right. We don't need it, but I have a feeling we're going to get it, and it'll be the it'll be the sort of the end of the Carl growing up uh, plot line. Maybe not the end, right. but it'll be the final sort of. The final hurrah for it i see so anyways that's how i think the next three episodes are going to play out i may be completely off base um but they did at one point say that this season takes i think more from the comic than previous seasons have so we might see this storyline in some form anyways
1: hmm.
0: anyways that's gonna do it let's uh wrap this thing up shall we do bye everybody <laughs> bye